You know the vibes. We're back with another episode. You're locked into the Hoop Genius Podcast. Myself, Momutsi, alongside, as always, three-time NBA champion BJ Armstrong. And today, we've got some royalty in the building. Royalty. <laughs> the trade deadline's creeping on us, so we had to bring the insiders. You know, we had to bring the inside scoop, the man in the know, the one and only Mr. Vincent Goodwill. Vinny, thank you for joining us today. Appreciate it. Mo, BJ, appreciate y'all, man. It's about to be some fun, man. Fun week coming up, y'all, right? Man, it's one of my uh, favorite weeks of the season. I know the fans love it. I know fans across the world, fans in the UK, fans in America, everyone's glued to their Twitter timelines, trying to see the breaking news, trying to see the trades. So for today's episode, we're going to go around the league. If you guys don't know, Vincent Goodwill is legendary in the NBA media game. <laughs> Legend, we're talking real, real legendary. Over at Yahoo Sports, NBA writer, he chops it up with the best of them. Vinny, where can the people find you if they're trying to follow you? Where can they find you? Let them know first of all before we get cooking. So before we start, go to uh, you can find me on Yahoo Sports, uh, Vince Goodwill, or you can also find me on Twitter at Vince Goodwill, V-I-N-C-E-G-O-O-D-W-I-L-L. Or you can find me right here on this podcast, kicking it with y'all for the next little while. <laughs> let's, let's, let's get at it. That's what we love to hear, man. This it's, is BJ's family. Detroit is in the building. A little UK-US yes, up. That's how we do. But, you know, let's look at the NBA right now. The trade deadline's coming up. You're either a buyer or a seller. You're either trying to add to your roster to make a run into the playoffs, or you're trying to stack up for the draft and acquire some picks, some cap space and rebuild. So we're going to go around the league and look at some of the teams that I think are going to be interesting and might be on the move at this trade deadline. So I want to start over in the West. You know, for the past few seasons, the Utah Jazz have been a fixture at the top of the Western Conference. You expect to see them at the number one, the number two seed. This season, though, they've been sliding. Recently, they've been dropping down the standings. Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert reportedly are beefing once again, even though they're saying they're not. But mm. we can read between the lines on that. And Joe Ingles has gone down with an injury. So they're going to be looking for some shooting, some perimeter defense. They've got to fill that 20-plus minutes a night that Joe Ingles will give them. Vinny, how are you looking at the Utah Jazz right now? I mean, think about the rarity of, like, a dude that averages eight points a game and playing 20 minutes, how valuable he is to Utah. When you think of everything that they do, when you think of a guy who can – stretch the floor on offense and also be versatile and play everything from two to four defensively. So that sort of takes a lot of pressure off of Mike Conley, takes the pressure off of Donovan Mitchell to be defensive stalwarts because you're able to switch and shift things around. They need someone at that swing spot to be able to take that pressure off. Now, theoretically, guys, it's a shot creator. It's a guy that can sort of get his own basket that can, whether he's taking off the pick and roll, get it off the bounce, get it on the move, whatever it is, Someone that can say, hey, you know what, Donovan Mitchell, you don't have to have the brunt of all the pressure on you to make every play down the stretch. Because as valuable as Rudy Gobert is, and he is very about valuable, protecting the rim, rebounding, starting a fast break, he's not a guy that should pass the ball down to on the block and tell him, okay, Rudy, take us home, get us 25. If he gets 25, cool. But he's not a guy that you can go to at the, at the start of the night and say, Rudy, we're going to need 25 out of you. You can ask for 35 from Donovan, but you're going to need something – from somebody else across the board, and especially in the Western Conference. You got Golden State, you got Memphis, you got Phoenix over, over everybody else. And then there's this gap. And Utah is trying to make sure that they are firmly in the second round of the playoffs because at least if you're in the second round of the playoffs, you got a chance to make the conference finals. You're a Kawhi Leonard injury away or whatever the case may be. 
You just want to be a part of the conversation. And right now, they're kind of behind that top tier. They're in that second tier crust, and they want to elevate themselves. BJ, are there any names or any yeah. players that spring to mind for you that you think would be a good fit on this Utah Jazz roster? Well, you know, Utah's interesting, and I don't have any right offhand, but I, I got I to gotta check in with my guy Vinny here. You know, <laughs> being a Detroit native, we have to educate the fans as well. Whenever us Detroiters greet each other, we have a theme up there. We say, what up, doe? It's the proper greeting to anyone oh, from my Detroit. Bad. So, so Detroit, <laughs> I was what up, up on the intro. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I know, no, exactly. You know, so we want to make sure. He don't know better. Of, he don't know no better. Yeah, That's yeah. All. So, so Mo, when you come to Detroit or you greet someone from Detroit, you say, what up, doe? All right, what up, That's doe? what you do. Anywhere in the world, we know what that means. But because we take a holistic approach, I want to ask Vinny a question here that I think Vinny's probably talked about, but we want to make sure we shine a little light here. Okay. They have a new ownership there in Utah. They have Danny Ainge there in Utah and trade deadline and all of these things. So I want to ask a two-part question. One, what's the window for this team to continue to compete before Danny Ainge and company, the owner, you got Dwayne Wade out there before they start tinkering with the organization and figuring out which way they're going to do, which way they're going to go. Are they going to go all in Donovan Mitchell? Are they going to trade I mean, whoever Rudy? Gray, I don't know what you're going to say here, Vinny, but I want to know what do you think Danny Ainge's impact and how patient he's going to be before he starts tinkering with this organization? That's a great question to be because for, those who don't know, like NBA teams fall into various categories. And, and this is like historically, there are some teams that come hella high water. We are going after championships. The name of the game is to win the chip. There are some teams that say, you know what? As long as our building is full and our players are good citizens and we make it to the second round of the playoffs, we good. We're profitable. We're making money. We're getting the TV money. We're getting the playoff money. You know, but we don't have to worry about winning championships. There's no pressure on that. The Utah Jazz, for those of you who might remember, they made a couple of finals runs in the 90s and were stopped by Michael Jordan. They were always sort of knocking on the doorstep, but never got there. That always felt like what this franchise was about, was about competing and not necessarily winning championships because they never got that top-level guy, that guy that's the, the ship that lifts all tides, as they say. Now you got Danny Ainge in there, guys. And Danny Ainge comes in with the Celtics pedigree. He's won championships as a player. He was a successful enough coach. And then when he took over the Celtics, he rose them from the dead and mm-hmm. brought in Kevin Garnett and brought in Ray Allen in addition to Paul Pierce and developed them into a, a champion and a contender, you know, for the foreseeable future in 2008. So he's not going to be one of those figures that I don't think is going to be happy being a second round team a team that's basically setting the table for whoever is making the NBA finals. The standards, I think, are are going to be raised a bit. Now, is Danny Ainge good enough to be able to make those deals, you know, without having his buddy Kevin McHale gift him Kevin Garnett? To leverage those relationships. You know, like we, look, we, 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 we family. We, right, we, right. We, we family. Yeah, yes. You know what I mean? That, that, that was a gift. Kevin Garnett was a gift to Danny Ainge. And, of course, that jump-started everything that the Celtics were about for the better part of the decade. 
So let's say Danny Ainge is good enough. That means you have to also ask yourself, is Rudy Gobert good enough for what Danny Ainge wants to do? We saw him be played off the floor in the playoffs last year against the Clippers. Is Donovan Mitchell great enough? Do you consider him in the category of a Devin Booker or a Zach Levine? One of those guys that if you put a good enough team around him, he can lift you over the top compared to can he lift the entire team and be basically what everybody thought he was going to be, which is a mini version of Dwayne Wade. So, so BJ, you're right about the objective of this franchise. The question is, do you see a space in the Western Conference where Golden State is rolling and Phoenix is rolling and Memphis is coming and the Lakers are the Lakers, even though they look like a dysfunctional family right now, they still have high standards there. Can Utah break through that glass ceiling? I'm not sure, but I do think that Danny Ainge is going to want to. Well, you know, speaking of teams that are trying to make that leap from a second round team being good enough and having raised expectations, we've got to talk about the Toronto Raptors here because a few years ago when they won a championship, that took the entire city of Toronto from being happy to get to the second round and lose to LeBron to having championship expectations. And now they weren't considered a threat this season, but they've won 14 of their last 20. Pascal Siakam's back playing like an all-star. The Eastern Conference is wide open. We just saw the Cavs make a move to improve by getting Karis LeVert. Now, mm -hmm. the Toronto Raptors, people thought they might trade Siakam and go for a youth rebuild, but they're looking like they could be buyers coming into the deadline. They've got Goran Dragic's salary. That's about 19 mil that they can play with, plus their own draft picks. Do you see the Raptors making a move to try and improve this team? There's been rumors about them trying to acquire a big man to play that five spot. Do you see the Raptors making a move to try and sneak into that Eastern Conference playoff picture and maybe upset some people and make a run this year? I mean, here's the thing. Who are you afraid of in the Eastern Conference? Like, mm. there's a lot of really, really good teams. The Chicago Bulls are really good. Philadelphia with Joel Embiid, really good. If the Brooklyn Nets ever got their act together, could be scary, but they're not. The Milwaukee <laughs> Bucks are, of course, the champions, but they're struggling. So if you're a team like Cleveland, if you're a team like Toronto, you're looking up and saying, okay, these teams are better, but they're not unreachable. Like me dating Halle Berry, unreachable. Me dating me along <laughs> Kelly Rowland, unreachable. Toronto saying, you know what? Maybe we can get a move or two and put Fred Van Vliet and Pascal Siakam and that rookie Scotty Barnes who is doing a little bit of everything and looks like a bull. No pun intended, BJ. Right, a right. Bull, you know, on, on the outside. Like, I like that team a lot. And I'll say this. I was not a fan of Nick Nurse as a coach a couple years ago. When you're matching wits with Brett Brown in the second round of the playoffs, that does not bode well. That's like, that's like a dog chasing his tail, right? You know what I mean? But Nick Nurse has turned out to be a pretty good coach. So if yes. you get him another piece and you're saying, okay, put me in a playoff series against uh, Steve Nash, put me in a playoff series against a Mike Bootenholzer put mm. me in a playoff series against a Doc Rivers. Let's see what I can do. So, yeah, I do think the Toronto Raptors, led by Masai Ujiri, Masai is always swinging right. for the fences. Remember, he swung for Kawhi Leonard, and he sacrificed DeMar DeRozan, a guy who was one of his own. That was his guy. And he said, you're my guy, but you got to go because I'm trying to get this chip. So I don't think that Toronto is going to be sitting on their hands looking up at the Eastern Conference saying, we'll wait till next year. I think they're going to go for it. And BJ, I'll tell you this other part. There's nothing more I hate than some punk ass GMs who say, you know what? I'm satisfied just being good. How about <laughs> Let's go How about be that? great. 
Let's go be great. <laughs> Talk to him. Hey, 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 Vinny, I want to ask you this. Is it fair to say that the Toronto Raptors are ahead of schedule? Absolutely. Yeah, They're like two years ahead of schedule. I thought I, I didn't think, think they right. would be this good until at least another year. I thought they would be maybe where not where Detroit or Orlando is, but I didn't think they would be in. I think they'd be like in the first trimester. Like I ain't never got yeah. a woman pregnant, but I hear the first trimester is rough. Like I hear that. <laughs> I can't relate, man. I, I don't want to relate. Adam, man. You throw, I'm well you, away. Throwing, you throw you throwing up in the mornings. You can't like you don't like the taste of nothing, the smell of nothing. I don't like the look of you. That's what I thought the Toronto Raptors would be this year. Nah, they they not ready to have a baby, but they look been past all that. They got used to the extra weight. They they Man, listen, the Toronto Raptors, they're like, they're an extension. They're like the UK's favorite team. They got OG from, from Great Britain, yeah. yep. you know, and Nick Nurse built his coaching pedigree, playing That's and right. coaching in the British Basketball League over here. So I feel some sort of affinity towards the Toronto Raptors. And I know they got a lot of fans over here. But then, you know, over in the Eastern Conference, like we say, it's wide open. The Hawks, who looked down and out throughout most of this season, they've really turned up the defense. They've really turned up their play, and they've been on a little run of late the last few weeks since the Cam Reddish trade. They're looking like they're rounding into form. There were a lot of rumors about John Collins maybe being on the move, Ben Simmons, Jeremy Grant. A lot of these guys' names were mentioned in trade talks. Of course, they've got Danilo Gallinari in his salary, which is not all guaranteed for next season, so it becomes a very, uh, a very attractive asset for other teams to trade for him. What about the Hawks? How do you think they're looking at things? Because not too long ago, they were in the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, they were in the Eastern Conference Finals. And the thing about John Collins was John Collins got paid. Like, he got his five for 125 deal in the offseason. And most people thought that that would quell the trade talk. Okay, you're a young guy. You got paid. You got a little bit of attention. You're finding yourself in this whole Trey Young sort of cyclone there. And you're still hearing about it. Because he's a young guy that wants more and not more in the way of money. He wants to show what he can do as a primary offensive option, as opposed to just being a guy that you throw the lob to and, you know, you put him in a dunker spot and everything else. He feels like he wants to grow his game a little bit more and do it in the context of winning. It's hard for young players in the league to submerge their talents into winning for the greater good when they have not been able to examine and get to their full self or evolve to their full self. So I think that's the reason why you hear John Collins' name out there. Secondly, you're right about Atlanta's defense. Their defense was terrible at the start of the year, and it's going to be terrible when Trey Young is at the point of attack because he's not putting much effort out there. He's saving his body for everything he has to do on the offensive end. But I think, especially with Nate McMillan as a coach, who was a bulldog as a ball player, when you're starting to figure the rules out, when you're starting to understand, okay, we can clutch and grab a little bit more. We can play off the screens a little bit more. We can be more physical. Atlanta is one of those teams that has the young wings and the bigs underneath the basket that that sort of can play to as opposed to having an older team and older players. You got young legs and younger bodies. They're going to feel like they're one move away. You're going to feel like you're a Jeremy Grant away from really elevating yourself and evolving or making another run. I don't know if Ben Simmons is that guy for them. I think Ben Simmons needs to go somewhere in the in the dead of night where there is no <laughs> no no Magic City, Send no North New of York the wall. City. No, he needs to go. He needs to go and play in the UK. That's what he needs to do. <laughs> ben Simmons needs to go and play in the UK and develop 
and come back <laughs> with a jump shot and we'd be like, man, who was you? Like he had bariatric <laughs> surgery or something like that. We like, man, we don't even recognize you no more. Is he, is playing he, in is, Atlanta is, or something like that, that might not do it. Yeah, he, he was here the whole summer. His, his ladies from the UK, he's dating a big time TV presenter here. And he was in the UK the whole summer. And I put the word out, I said, Ben, let's get in the gym, let's work on, and no one was saying yet. No, I was not, my calls weren't getting returned. He just wanted to chill. And that's all I'm gonna say on that. Yeah, <laughs> wait, wait, before you guys go get off here, you know, before you guys get off on your team here with Ben Simmons, that's the elephant in the room. We're gonna to get to that. I gotta ask my guy Vinny a question. I'm out here in LA, Vinny. Mm-hmm. What's going on with these Lakers? Mm. Vinny, I need to know what's going on with these Lakers. Now, the Clippers have made a nice little move. I thought that was a good move for the Clippers. The right? regained power. About that. Yeah, mm-hmm. getting Powell. Covington. Yeah, and all those guys. But tell me, what's really going on with my Lakers? I need to know what's going on out here. I mean, it's it, it, Laker Nation is in an uproar here. You can't go anywhere out here. Vinny, tell me, what, what's Rob Palinka and company going to do? I mean, you got to ask the person in charge. Who? Who's that? <laughs> That's what we want to know. <laughs> who, I, Vinny, as an agent, I don't even know who, who Vinny, what's going on? And we, we hear magic throwing shade, everything going on. You know what I mean? Is it LeBron? <laughs> is it Rob? Is it the owners? Who's in charge? What's going down? There's a difference between who's like running the show and who's in charge. You okay, know what I mean? Good. Your name you know, could be Vinny. Just you and I talking. Who, who, who do I call? You know, your, your name could be on the deed. Your name could be on the deed of the house. Your name could be on the title. You could pay the mortgage and everything else. But you know that woman inside. She she the one that run that house. You know what I mean? <laughs> you better have your behind in that. Uh, you, she. Try, try, try me. Try me if you want to. That's, that's what that is. So who's running the show in L.A.? Rob Palenka is the GM. And Jeannie Buss is the majority owner. But LeBron James is running that show. Right? Mm. So what 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 are they going to try to do? You got Russell Westbrook, who's making, I think, 39 this year, 42 next year. And it's the 42 that's an opt-in. And it's going to be hard to get him to turn down $42 million at this stage of his career and this stage of his life with where he is in his career and how he looks, right? So that's the only way that he will be an attractive trade piece. Yeah, they're, they're shopping around Taylor Horton Tucker, and they're trying to find a, a – trying to figure out maybe we can package him with a draft pick – and get something, but that's not an attractive enough piece in today's NBA to really, really do something when the Lakers need an impact player. And you can't trade Malik Monk because he's on the, not only he's on a minimum deal, but he's a guy that you want to bring back next year because of how he's fit into that starting lineup. They went big on they went big on big, right? They went big on big and old. DeAndre Jordan, Dwight Howard, Avery Bradley, they went big. Their moves, Russell Westbrook, their moves this offseason was that. You can't – sometimes the moves just don't work, and you got to work with what you got. And if Anthony Davis is going to be the Anthony Davis we've seen the past four or five games, maybe the Lakers can get out the first round. But, BJ, if Anthony Davis can't be that dude, then the Lakers going to be home after the play-in. Mm. Man. Mm. I'd Man. love it. 
I'm a Celtics fan. I would love it. I would love nothing more. <laughs> if the Lakers you just made, the you just made Mo's day by saying listen, that. Listen, I, I will be dancing down the streets of LA if the Lakers miss the playoffs. I'm gonna tell you that. That's right why you wearing a green hoodie. Oh, That's why you wearing a green vibes. hoodie. You know the vibes every time, man. That's why I'm looking at you sideways when you're talking about Danny Ainge and Kevin McHale. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know about you know about the the buddy hookup. You, you, yeah. saw, you saw about it. I didn't see nothing. I didn't hear nothing. I don't know nothing. That's how we keep it over here. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, I, want, I want to speak about that Western Conference playing, right? A team that's kind of creeping up there now, given that the Lakers have been playing so poorly, the New Orleans Pelicans, since Brandon Ingram's come back, he's just won the Player of the Week award for the Western Conference. Yep. He's been playing excellent yep. basketball. They put together a few nice wins. They're creeping into that 10th seed, could even overtake for the ninth seed. And if Zion Williamson comes back, because he's missed a lot of time. If? But one thing that can't... If? Did you say if? Yeah. I don't know what most said. Yeah, yeah. I said, said if, if because I don't know when. Do you know when? Maybe February 32nd, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Talk this to is, him, Vinny. This Talk is to it. If Zion Williamson comes back, you can't dispute how great he is when he's on the court. All they got to do is win two games. You see the Hornets, they're putting Josh, Josh Hart's name in some trade talks and they've got some pieces there. Do you think they can do anything or you think they're just going to try and get another draft pick for another season? No, I, I don't think it's either because w- here's the thing. If I were a few years younger, or if we, I mean, a few years older and maybe had a little more exposure to BJ's life, I could get in front of Kelly Rowland. If, right? <laughs> if. That's what talking about Zion. If. Like, Zion, I voted him all 13 last year. He averaged 26 and 7, shot 60% from the – he was a monster inside, like Barkley-like, right? Yep. But you got to get on the floor. And if he's not getting on the floor and everything about him seems shrouded in mystery – you're not sure what you're hearing from the Pelicans. You're not sure what you're hearing from his people. You're not sure what you're hearing from the streets. Like the streets are saying, man, he don't want to be there and all this other type of stuff. You don't know what's true, what's not. So let's assume that he's not going to be there because I've seen no evidence that he will be there. Okay. Let's not say if. Let's assume that he won't be there because the evidence says otherwise, right? Can this team with Brandon Ingram and a lot of these young guys make a run in the Western Conference to get to the play-in? Absolutely. One of one of me and BJ's Detroit brothers, Willie Green, coaching that yes. team, coaching yes. them up. They're undermanned, and they're still competing every night. And secondly, whenever you have a team that's in a little bit of turmoil, with maybe their GM is in a little bit of trouble, you don't want them making moves that can mortgage your future. You don't want them making moves that basically somebody else, you're writing a check for someone else to cash down the line. So even though Josh Hart is an attractive piece, and I've heard Brandon Ingram's name being tossed mm-hmm. out there, and that would be that would mean full-scale rebuild. I don't think they're going to do that. So unless it's something that's taking away money, because remember, New Orleans is a mid-lower-tier market franchise, not a high-revenue team. They're in a Saints town, everything else. So they have to be very careful about the moves that they make as far as bringing on salary. Will they try to continue doing this? Or maybe you can get a home game or two in during that, during that play-in and be happy. Yeah. Remember I talked in the beginning about Utah being a team. Mm. There's some teams that want to win. There's some teams that just want to make it to the playoffs, just get there. That's New Orleans. They don't have a real NBA footprint 
as of yet, their footprint is Anthony Davis. He was here, then he left. And now it's Zion. Now he's here. Will, will he leave? So until that footprint happens, the expectations to make blockbuster moves in the trade deadline week won't be on them, especially if you think that David Griffin, their vice president of the basketball operations, is in trouble. Mm. Well, Vinny, you know, we could talk basketball here all day, but I know I know you got to get going. I, I, I know your phone is buzzing. It's that time. <laughs> so, Vinny, I, I want to get to the elephant in the room. Okay. James Harden, Ben Simmons. Mm. And then anything else, Vinny, that our audience should be looking towards, anything that you could share. I know you got a lot. You're doing a lot. You got a lot of things juggling. But we got to address this elephant in the room because Ben Simmons, what, what's going on here, Vinny? What's the latest? Is this a trade? What is going I mean, it's just being it's all over the, the, the TVs here. Mm-hmm. I know all of it's, our audience it's there well. in, the, in, 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 in Europe and all, you know, all around the world want to know, Vinny, break it down to us. The floor is yours. The microphone is yours. Break it down to us really what's going on. And then give us a little bit of, you know, behind the scenes, a little bit of what we should be looking out for here in the next five minutes. Well, I think for those who don't know, Ben Simmons has not played a game all year. Issued a trade demand to the Philadelphia 76ers. He said, look, I can't play here anymore under these conditions. You know, he cited mental health and everything that went on in that last playoff series against the Atlanta Hawks. And he said, look, this is just not an environment that's conducive for me. And they've basically been playing a game of chicken. Daryl Morey, the GM, or the president of basketball operations, Doc Rivers, the head coach, they've been in lockstep. And you're seeing a, a great season, BJ, from Joel Embiid, an MVP-like season to where – if you had a Ben Simmons or something like a Ben Simmons on that roster, Philly could jump to the top of the East and say, we're going to ride this big seven footer to the finals. But because Ben Simmons is sitting out and probably will not play for them ever again, they're in a spot where they got to trade him. Now they want to trade him for James Harden. James Harden is a guy. Every, nobody wants to admit it. Nobody wants to say it out loud. James Harden's game has declined. Mm. He, he's, yep. he's, he, he's not as efficient. From the his 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 efficiency has gone way down, you know his, his ball distribution. He's still a uh, he's still a good great passer and everything else. But the thing that made him deadly was a getting to the foul line and b hitting the three point shot. So basically, you couldn't foul him and you had to give him space. And he's not hitting at such a rate where you have to defend him like that. And he's gained so much. I don't say gained a lot of weight, but he has, he doesn't have that explosiveness anymore. So I say that to say in reference to Ben Simmons, you got two players who have a depreciated value. Superstar players, superstar talents, but they are not living up to their superstar billing. So in theory, it would make a perfect situation. You trade Ben Simmons for James Harden. James Harden becomes the number two to Joel Embiid, and he sort of settles into that position, right? You don't have the defenses focusing on him. You can spray it out to Seth Curry and Matisse Steibel as a cutter, and you can still run your offense while still featuring Joel Embiid, right? But what would behoove Brooklyn to make that trade if they think that James Harden wants to stay there after this year he's in he can as an option he can opt out and go into free agency for the first time in his career now I know I just gave you guys a lot but Brooklyn has a Kyrie Irving problem too on top of a James Harden problem (laughs) on top right they have a lot of things going on all at once do you take that risk of bringing in Ben Simmons to play with Kevin Durant if you're, Kev, if you're Kevin Durant and you like, look, man, Kyrie Irving's my boy, 
but man, he's a headache. He's a headache, right? So then you bring in Ben Simmons on top of that? Like, what you you what are you trying to do? You're trying to hurt me here. You're trying to get me to leave. You know what I mean? That type of thing. So Brooklyn has to be very careful with how they approach James Harden, even if he does not turn out to be turned back into James Harden of old. In Philly, they have completely botched this situation. They think they got James Harden in their back pocket, so they're going to play smug, and that's what Daryl Morey is doing. And I don't think any deal is going to happen. I would say it, BJ, deal or no deal, I would say 40 to 60 in favor of no deal happening James Harden of Philadelphia. Man, do you think do you think it happens in the summer though? You think it happens in the summer or new ball game? New ball game. New ball game in the summer. Hey, that you see that that's a Marvin Gaye album out there. Hey man, when the summer happens, I'm ripping that I'm ripping that plastic off, baby. It's a new year. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) Talk to him. Talk to him, Fitty. Talk your stuff, Fitty. We gotta get you one more often, man. This is this is but but one one thing you said before. I've just got to circle back. You said you heard Brandon Ingram's name in some trade conversations. That kind of caught me off guard. Have you heard any other names that we might not be looking out for that we haven't spoken about? Any other teams or players that could be looking to move guys before the trade deadline? Of course, you hear about Jeremy Grant in Detroit, but I don't know if anything is necessarily going to happen. I don't think the Pistons have an appetite to trade him. I think a lot of teams want him because they vision him as a guy that can defend a lot of positions and can be a secondary scorer. But I don't think that he wants to go anywhere. I think he still is trying to figure himself out as an NBA player. And I don't think the Pistons view him as a player they want to move. But in Indiana, you mentioned at the top about Karis LeVert being being traded from the Indiana Pacers to the Cleveland Cavaliers. That's like the first salvo of everything in the trade. But the Pacers have Miles Turner, who's a really, really productive big man, who's mm-hmm. probably going a little underappreciated yep. in Indiana. He can shoot the three. He's a big body. And he can defend and rebound and finish around the room. That's not damn near a unicorn in today's game. You can find a big man that can do one or two of those things, but very rarely can you find a guy that does all three. So I do think even though he's hurt, teams are going to continue to call on him, along with Demontis Sabonis, who is very versatile. And you're talking about another younger big man. He's younger than Miles Turner. 25. But he still has like he's 25. He's a 16, 11, and, and five assist guy waiting to happen. He's not as explosive, but he's a better outside shooter, a better in-between game ball handler that you can sort of play pick and pop with, that he can sort of defend multiple positions, although not defend the rim as well, but be a versatile defender. So while Indiana, I think, is starting to hit the reset button, I wonder if those two names, guys, are going to be names that you start to hear over the next couple of days before we hit the trade deadline Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern time in America. Well, exciting times. But one name I'm hoping we hear mentioned more on this show is Vincent Goodwill because that. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. An electric <laughs> episode of the Hoop Genius podcast. Vincent, Vinny, thank you for joining us, taking the time out. I know your phone must be going off. Appreciate you taking the time out of your day. I know you've got a lot of things to be doing. I just want to say how thankful I am and on behalf of our listeners as well for giving us the inside scoop behind the curtain of the NBA. I appreciate y'all, man. This is always fun. Mo B, always good. Man, uh, man Anytime, appreciate man. you, Anytime. my brother. Man, keep doing your thing, Vinny. Thanks again. Now go ahead, get back to your phone, get back to your work. I got you, uh, I got it's, you. It's hopping. All right, be it's good. Hot. Thanks we'll for joining us. We'll check back in. We'll check back in later on in the season. Thank you guys at home for listening. 
If you want to hear more, you know what to do. Hit the subscribe button. And as always, get buckets.